0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd open our minds and our hearts and our ears to the voice of your Holy Spirit. We pray that as we look into your sacred scriptures, that we would not just see the words on the page, but we'd see the Lord that it speaks of. And that would be you. And that you would reveal to us that which you have purpose for us to see today. You would make it clear and tangible to us by the work of your spirit. And I pray that you give me the ability to say what you would have me to say and the words that you would have me to speak and that I would uh, be your servant and that your word would be clear. And I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would say more than I'm about to say. I pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Uh, Last week we talked about living stones in a spiritual house. And um, we we moved our way through that message and about two or two thirds of the way through or so I realized that there was no way I was gonna finish that message. And so that became part one. And today is going to be part two. And probably won't be a part three, but so you better listen good. (laughs) And so uh, I suggested last week a subtitle, which I'm using this week as my title, and that is, What on Earth is the Lord Doing? Or you could, you know, What in the World is the Lord Doing? What on Earth is the Lord Doing? Now, I'm going to go through just some quick review points. Last week's message is available on iTunes. iTunes. It is available on the Abundant Life Church Facebook page. Some of you didn't know there was an Abundant Life Church Facebook page. It is available on the Abundant Life Church YouTube channel. If you'd like, we can put the message on a flash drive for you. And if you really want to go caveman and antique, we can make you a CD. <laughs> if you want a cassette, you're out of luck. But but let's just read our text first. tell you what, let's do that. First Corinthians chapter 12. Read our text and then we'll get into uh, the word. And I'll try to have you out of here before the Baptists get to the restaurants. Uh, If you would stand with me while I read the sacred scriptures. I'm reading today again from the English Standard Version. Starting in verse 12. Uh, Paul had just outlined the gifts of the Spirit uh, and talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how that each, they're apportioned to each one individually as God wills. And then he goes, he says, For just as the body, he's speaking of the human body, is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Christ's body resembles the human body. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. One more verse. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You can be seated. We covered the fact that, this whole thing is, is predicated on the fact that Jesus prayed for the kingdom of heaven to come to the earth. He was instructing his disciples how to pray. But as I said last week, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, it, it has content. It wasn't just a rote uh Uh, recital that Jesus was teaching them, it had content, and part of that content, and I think the axis of that content was that he prayed that the kingdom that resided in heaven would come to the earth and reside in the earth. Which means, and he told us this, which means if God's kingdom comes to the earth, that means that God's will is being done on earth just like it is in heaven. If God's will is not being done on earth like it is in heaven, then God's kingdom has not come to the earth. That's what he teaches us in that prayer. And so we asked the question, who might be the ones who are doing that will? Who, how is that will of God carried out in the earth? And then we, we looked at the fact that his church is made up of stones that are alive. You know, you look at a physical building, uh, and last week we had a wallpaper that had stones, but A physical building has stones, bricks, blocks, whatever you want to construct it of, and but God's church, Jesus church, is not made up of those kinds of stones. It's made up of stones that are alive. And each living stone that he identifies, including us including you, each living stone has a place everybody say place. place of infinite value to the builder well, I don't know what God wants with me. Well, if, if he didn't have something for you to do, and if he didn't want you to be a part of his body, you would be in a graveyard somewhere. And I don't mean from the top looking down, but he does. We as a people, and he identified them as Gentiles, but we're now spiritual Gentiles if we're, if we're lost. We're separated, separated from Christ. But because of what James talked about, the work of Christ, we were brought near. And it says that he spoke the gospel to those who were afar off, Gentiles, those who were near, the Jews, and made them one man, brought us together by the grace and the power of God, and made every one of us who've been born again by the Spirit of God, every one of us fellow citizens and members of God's household. Now, you may think that you become a member of the church by filling out a card. We don't have any cards around here. Or whatever may be the case, and I don't disdain any of that. But I want to tell you that when you breathed your first breath in God's family, you were a member of God's household. You didn't have to go to a membership class for that. Nothing wrong with membership classes, but you didn't have to go to one for that. The emphasis is that in him, now I'm going to do this to you all day, so you get ready? Say in in him. In him, you're being built together. It's in him. If the in him is not in that sentence, you don't have a church, you have a club. It has to be in Christ, we're being built together. Being built together. Do you sometimes feel like you're being built together? And that's because we were designed, we were not designed to do life with other covenant believers. We were designed to walk this thing out with fellow believers. We were, we were designed to need other followers of Jesus Christ to be in our life. There, you know, there's never been a time when a lone ranger has a place in the kingdom of God. All my life I was called the Long Granger. (laughs) And other things that I can't repeat. (laughs) But we were designed to need the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ is being fitly joined together. And being fitly joined together involves a process. And that's the fun part. It involves a process. I'll come back to that. The reason for a covenant. Is so that we'll hold still. The reason God makes a covenant with us. And when you accept God and his covenant. You know I said this last week. But I'm going to tell you again. Make sure it sinks in. When you accept God and his covenant. You get his kids. I don't like his kids. He doesn't care about that. You still got his kids. And you can either like it. And, and accept it. And learn to live with it. Or you can try to be the Lone Ranger, I mean the Lone Ranger, because you get his kids. Peter teaches us that we are being built together to show forth or to proclaim God's excellencies or his moral excellence. That's what we're, we're being built together for that, First Peter. So from Christ, Paul writes in Ephesians, from Christ, the whole body, everybody say whole body, We said last week that you, you got a local church, which is like us. It says on our bulletin that we are a local expression of the church in Middle Tennessee. We are not the church in Middle Tennessee. We're just a local expression of that. And everybody who meets together or gathers in some form around here, they're the same. They're a local expression. So you have a local church. You have the regional church, which we call, we like to call Middle Tennessee. Then you have the church universal which is worldwide and we pointed out that that person in China uh, over there that's, that's a follower of Jesus Christ is just as much your brother or sister as the people that you sit next to every Sunday. The whole body is being fitted and knit together. Fitted and knit together. Do you see one of the things I want us to see is that being part of a body, a local body, is more than just attending a meeting. We've reduced church to a meeting. We've reduced church to a building. We've reduced church to an organization. But if you're going, if the church is being fitted and knit together, it's far more than just attending a meeting and looking at the back of somebody's head. You don't just go to church, you be the church. You're a part of something and that something is a collective of living stones held together by what every joint supplies and working properly, which is in the Greek really says energetic working. You cannot have energetic working without the power of an energetic Holy Spirit, it requires God. So now we get to our text. That was my warm-up. Brother Charles likes to joke about, but get back so far to get the introduction, by the time you get to the starting line, you're out of breath. (laughs) One body with many members. One body, many members, many diverse members. Many unusually, unusual looking members. And I've said this many times and you know it's true. Uh, if all the people who are on vacation were here and we'd look around the room and you would, you would say, I would ask you a question, would you have chosen to be knit together and fitted with them or anybody else in this room? And quite often we would say, no, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have picked that one. And I wouldn't have picked that one. I wouldn't. Uh, you, no one. None of us would have had the forethought or the wisdom to say to God, "Here's here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna name you some names. Just put them together in a local congregation. Nobody, none of. But we would have. We would have got people that we liked, because you know there's people in this church you don't like. Don't don't act like you don't. Don't act like it's not true because it's true. You know, and some of y'all I don't like. <laughs> Just kidding, mostly. Uh, it had not got anything to do with that it's got something to do with God put something together for the body does not consist of one member but of many why would I even read that because so many times our world is about us even in the church so much of what we do and say and what we try to do is all about us. And then I just read the verse that says, because I am not an I, I do not belong to the body. In other words, I don't want to be what I am. I want to be what they are. I want to be what she is or he is. And God says, you know, just because you're not an eye doesn't mean you don't belong to the body. I mean, Paul is being ridiculous here. He knows that. But he often uses the human body as an analogy for the body of Christ. And this is one of the cases. This is the main place. The key to this, and I, I quoted it last week, and you've, if you've been here very long, you heard me quote it hundreds of times. The key to all of this is that God arranges the members However, it pleases him. You see, you don't go to a church because you like the color of the carpet. Because you like the color of the chairs. Because you like the music. Because you like the programs. Because if you're bored enough that you like the preaching. Now, all of that plays a part, but if those are the only reasons that you become a part of a local congregation, you're going to be one unhappy camper because it's God who decides where you need to be, not you. And the criteria that you use is not the criteria that he uses. I'm running some of y'all off. I can feel it. Especially these first four rows right here. (laughs) They've already left. God arranges the members. I mean, I repeat myself again. People say, well, I'm just coming here looking. We're searching for a church and we're looking around. We're going, you know, I say, you know what? You need to be home. And if home's here, we'd love to have you. If home is somewhere else, then I'm going to help you. I'll drive you down there. Introduce you to the pastor. If your home is somewhere else, and I'm going to tell you, if you want, there are. Oh Lord, I need a chair. Uh, (laughs) You got one, but I don't. Too many people today are sitting in churches this morning where they don't belong. I'm not saying they should be here, because a lot of them that I know, I wish they weren't here. I mean, let's just leave it that, you know. Again, Brother Charles Simpson says the best addition is by subtraction sometimes, <laughs> but some people are sitting or part trying to be parts of congregations that God did never never arranged for them to be there, and yet they're trying to be there because they like the music and they like the program and they like the- you know and you know what happens when you have a room full of people like that or a congregation full of people like that? you have division, you have problems you have well, I'm a, I'll just leave those adjectives along. The I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the f- head to the feet, I have no need of you. You cannot say to your fellow followers, I have no need of you. And again, I referred last week to Tom T. Hall. I met Tom T. Hall at his house, one of the most gentle, kind, gracious men I've ever met. Invited me into his office at his farm. Uh, let me play his guitar that he wrote all of his songs on. And yet when he wrote me and Jesus, that was some of the worst theology that's ever been. Because it's not true that me and Jesus got our own thing going and we don't need anybody. Yeah. Untrue. You do need. You do need anybody. Yes. The high. You can't say I have no need of you because you do. I said last week that God deposits in every believer something and often, not all the time, maybe not most of the time, but often what you need, he's deposited in somebody else and you're praying, God, give me this and God, give me this. And God says, I gave it to you already, but it's residing in over there in her and fellowship with her and talk with her and it'll come out. You'll, you'll receive what you need. Through a fellow believer. I'm not going to turn, but I'm going to reference Ezekiel 37 here for a few moments, the valley of the dry bones, putting the body together. Now this was a prophecy, uh, with Ezekiel and it was, it was directly referencing the nation of Israel and putting them, restoring Israel and putting them together. But if you'll allow me, to adjust just a little bit out of context, I want to say today, but it also gives us a great picture of God putting a body, B-O-D-Y, together. I think, I don't know this, but I think Paul may have been thinking about Ezekiel 37 when he wrote 1 Corinthians 12. And, of course, God says to Ezekiel, what do you see? He says, yeah, a whole bunch of dry bones out there in the valley. And he said, prophesy to those bones, and they'll come together. And they did prophesy to those bones. And God asked Ezekiel a question. He said, can these bones live? I mean, it's just a pile of bones. And they've been there a while because they were dry. Can these bones live? And obviously the answer, it was almost rhetorical. They can. And I want to tell you that God, to create his church, he finds a bunch of dead, dry bones. And he puts us together. He puts us together, but first of all, he has to do something for us. Paul writes in Ephesians, but God, when we were dead, everybody say dead. Dead. Made us alive together in Christ. God finds this this sea of spiritually dead people. And he ignites us by the power of his Holy Spirit. He regenerates our soul. He makes us alive together with Jesus Christ. And then he says, now that I've made you alive, I got a place to put you. I'm going to arrange you however I want to. And so those Dead bones now began to come together and form something. The bones responded to the voice of God in verse seven of Ezekiel 37, if you're taking notes. He said, as I prophesied, there was a sound. As I prophesied, the bones responded. And when you came to Christ, did you know Jesus said, no one can come to the Father. I take it back. No one can come to me except the Father which is in heaven draw him. You don't come to Christ when you're ready. You come to Christ when he's ready. And so God, through the voice of the Holy Spirit, spoke into your spiritual death and through the sovereign Move in hand of God. He God drew you to Jesus. God's grace gave you the ability and the power to come before the throne of God and to receive your salvation. The dry bones respond to the voice of God. I want to submit to you today that God has always... Been in the business of putting people together. Always. It's never stopped putting people together. Day one, I think Adam needs a helpmeet. So let's create him a helpmeet and put them together. And from then on, God has always put people together. The bones began to come together and began to form a body. And then the Bible says they became an army. But I want to say to you that, he says, prophesy that the breath of God would come, the wind of God would come and blow on those bones and put breath in them. And, of course, Ezekiel did that. That happened. They were not an army until the breath of God entered them. You can take people and put them together. You can arrange situations where you have people in um, in close proximity. You can arrange meetings. You can arrange programs. I'm not opposed to any of this, or we wouldn't be here. But until the breath of God comes, you just have a club. And you should have had a better amen than that. Just a club. So many so many times people won't meet with me and say, man, you know, the, uh, I want this and I want that kind of relationship with so-and-so and I want this. And I say, well, you know what? That relationship that you want with that person, it starts with your relationship with God. Yes. Because you're seeking a horizontal relationship without first seeking a vertical relationship. And if you'll seek a vertical relationship with the God of all gods, you'll find that horizontal relationship. But it won't be a club. It'll be living. And these bones came together. And they became this army. We can put various kinds of seemingly good projects together. But until the spirit of God gets involved. I remember the verse that says they labor in vain who build it. Scripture says that as he prophesied to the bones and the breath came to the bones. The Bible says the bones came together. It actually says there became a rattling of the bones and they came together. That rattling is interesting. Rattling. You know, in this church, in every church, in every local congregation when god begins to put people together and begins the process of getting people together there's always a rattling there's always a noise why well think about it i mean you know we we've been doing this 50 years marriage thing but you talk about two opposite people uh, two i mean you think about that. God takes a male, and by the way, that's the only way it works: male and female. <laughs> God takes a male, and then he he finds his female. And I don't, I can't even go into all the ways that j- even just that. There's a they're so different. We're we're so wired different. We think different. Our emotions are different, and yet God says, "I'm gonna put you together." Well, then we wonder why we argue. We wonder why we have fights. No, we never had physical fights. She would kill me. (laughs) But there's adjustment that needs to take place. And you use the marriage as an analogy, but the same thing works in the church, people. The rattling of the bones sometimes is people trying to find that, trying to fit and they don't like the way they fit. They don't like the way that one feels. And they don't like the way that one sees. And they're different than me. And, yeah, that's true. When I get people in my office, young people wanting to get married, if they start telling me how they're just alike and they have everything in common and everything think of the same way, I say, well, you need to go find somebody else. Because <laughs> it's opposites that attract. the rattling of the bones as they came together sometimes we need to get through the rattling sometimes the rattling causes us to run god had a definite plan as how he wanted those bones together there was no accident that they came together the way they did there was no accident that the arm went to the shoulder and the elbow. I mean, it's no accident that when it was done and the breath of God came and breathed, breathed on and through this, these people that they became an exceedingly great army formed the way God wanted them formed. No accident. There's another statement that it says the bones came together bone to bone. You know what that is, saints? That's a statement of covenant. Statement of covenant. It means that he caused these bones to go to its proper place in the frame of the body where it was designated to be joined. Designated. And then once that body comes together, it's the Holy Spirit that causes the joined body to live. This body, other bodies like this one, We have life together because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not because we believe the same things. Because I guarantee you, we could go around this room and we would have differences of views and opinions about certain doctrines and certain theology. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you want to be wrong, that's your business. But... Come on now. That was funnier than you gave it because I'm afraid you think I'm serious. But when the Holy Spirit does it, when the Holy Spirit puts people together and causes the body to be joined, there's life. There's life in Christ. So ministering to one another, now that we're part of a body, Part of something. By the way, a body doesn't have to be, have a church building. A body surely don't have to have a church building with a steeple. A body doesn't have to meet on Sunday mornings. If there's half a dozen people that get together on a regular basis and fellowship and encourage one another and sing, praise God together, hallelujah. That's called a house church. I'm for it. Just as long as you're part of something. So we're called in ministering to one another. We're called first and foremost to encourage and support one another. Lord, encourage me. Okay, I'm going to send you sister so-and-so. No, don't send her. I want you to do it. Paul writes, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. The reason he writes that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is that how we get encouraged and built up? Oh, no, God, I just want to read a Bible verse and get that. Well, thank God if you're reading the Bible. But when you read the Bible, it's going to send you to somebody and they're going to say, be encouraged. Nehemiah, when he took upon the project of rebuilding the walls, which is another story in itself. One of the instructions to his workers During that was this, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So here are these, I guess, men working on the walls, working together on the walls. And of course, they had enemies. They had Sandballot and Tobias and all that bunch out there causing them problems and trying to be deceptive. And I'm going to get into that. But they had issues with people, and so while they were working on the wall, they had to watch what was going on, hold a weapon in one hand and a shovel in the other. He said, now, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, what did he talk about? What he was talking about is if you're working on the wall and one of these folks of opposition come, and, and they weren't being nice, by the way, sound the trumpet, blast some noise. And he's saying to the other workers, when you hear that trumpet sound, you know your brother's in trouble. Get over there to where that trumpet was sounded. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally. Everybody say rally. rally. Uh, okay, you are awake. Rally <laughs> to us there. And God, our God, will fight for us. Why is it that God would fight for us? Because we are, here comes your word. Together. Sound the trumpet. When you, when you need encouragement, when you are depressed, when you are facing something that you don't know what to do, of course you cry out to God, but you also sound the trumpet for your brothers and sisters. And here's what, you, here's what we all need to do, and every one of us is guilty of this. We need to exit this I can handle it myself bubble. I don't know how many times I call people that I know that they're in a situation, I know that they need some help. I I you know, I I don't want to start to say something that would expose somebody. But anyway, somebody that I know one time needed they were in a bad situation. I called them up and said, Hey, you need somebody to walk with you through this, you need somebody to stand by your side, and they said to me, I got this. I can handle this myself. Yeah, they did all right. But the problem is we can, we can talk about that all we want to, but every one of us at times are guilty of this. I I can, I can handle it, especially us men. Men are worse about this. We, every one of us men have to have shoes with bootstraps because we want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Be an encourager. Be an encourager because we are instructed. We're instructed. It's not a suggestion, but we're instructed to bear one another's burdens. It should be that you have people. And I said last week, if you got one or two people that you have this kind of intimacy with, you are wealthy. Don't think you got to have 30. Just look for one or two. Often, I mean, it always starts with your spouse. Conversely, Not only, well, let me say this. You need to find courageous people and draw from them. If you need encouraging, you need people who have courage. Now, I spent a lot of time studying to get that. (laughs) Find courageous people and draw from them. Now, at times, all of us are courageous, but there are times that we're not so courageous. There's times that we need to be encouraged or to receive courage, and in those times, we need to sound the trumpet. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, you need to run to your brother or sister. Conversely, we need to rally to others who need a strengthening hand or a word of encouragement. Encouragement is simply a word that means to be strong or to bind, to restrain, and to conquer. The word encouragement, the imagery of the word encouragement is that you walk up to somebody and you you uh, put your arms around them and you squeeze them enough to bind them and keep them from falling down. That phone, that phone thinks I'm done. No, it's not Lisa this time. It's my timer. That's some nice music. Is playing. I can stop that though. It's it's lending somebody your strength. That's encouragement. It's being that place that they can lean on when they would have fallen down otherwise. Okay. Let them feel your strength. And I'll just go through these. Um, you know, some time ago I did a whole series on one anothering, And uh, I went through most of the verses in the Bible that ended with one another. And I'm not going to re-preach that here, so just take a deep breath. But we're taught in the Scripture that we should offer admonishment to one another. Or to counsel, and I don't mean uh, set yourself up against above somebody, but to exhort people and to, and to offer them wisdom, admonishment. And of course, you see, if you're taking notes, Romans fifteen fourteen, uh, we're taught to stir one another up in Hebrews. Uh, the word there really, literally, means to incite people. Sometimes we just need somebody to stick us in the ribs and incite us to do what's right. When you have the rattling of the bones and you understand that the, the building together of the body of Christ involves a process and that process is putting human beings together, I might remind you that human beings, we are all... Remember what the word all means. In the Greek, it means all. We are all flawed creatures. And so because of that, there's often something and some situation where we need to forgive one another. Colossians 3.13. We need to forgive. I mean, I can't spend a lot of time on that this morning. i got a whole message on forgiveness. But if you walk with people long enough, if you're involved in a local church long enough, a local body, house, church, home group, I don't care what it is, you're eventually going to have to forgive somebody. And you're going to have to ask them to forgive you because you also are a flawed human being. We're taught to serve one another, to be the servant of each other, to go beyond ourselves, Galatians 5.13. We're taught to to uh, look out for the interests of others, not just our own. We're taught to consider the other person first before us. Where The scripture says that I am crucified with Christ. And, of course, he's inferring here, I'm not dead, though. He says, because nevertheless, I live. And yet not I, we sing this song lately, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's where I live. And the life that we live is a is a life of the crucified life. In other words, Paul said, "I die daily." He just meant he just laid down his life every day. Serve one another, and of course, the summation of all of this is that we would pray for one another. James five sixteen. We would pray for other brothers and sisters, not just when they're in trouble, not just when they need us. Although that's definitely what. James five sixteen is talking about. Pray. I want you to understand that God answers prayer. God hears your prayer. We already know he doesn't always answer our prayer the way we want him to or think he will. Don't try to manipulate God with prayer. Because we do that too. We try to use our prayer to cause God to do what we want him to do, the way we want him to do it, when we want him to do it. And if he did all that, he wouldn't be God anymore. But we pray to God and we pray for God's will. We pray for God's will to come from heaven to the earth. We pray for what's happening in heaven to be established in the earth, in his people, in you and me. We pray for that and we allow God to do what God does the way God does it and when he does it and yet we're instructed to pray for one another as a matter of fact Paul asked for the help in second Corinthians he said you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many what drives the relationships that you have in the body of Christ. Is that you pray for them. And I'll tell you this. I've said it before. It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. It is impossible. For you to pray for someone. And to despise that person. At the same time. You can't do it. Now you can. When you get done praying. You can go back to despising. Sometimes. <laughs> but while you're praying for them. You cannot, you don't have the ability to despise them at the same time. Pray for them. He said, help us. Help us by praying for us. And I want to say to you that every member of the church, let me just stick this in here. I said this last week, but uh, you might not have been here. It's not just the people in the church that you attend or the church that you're part of. Because you have a you are tied to every person who names the name of Jesus Christ wherever they are in the world. And especially if you have people in the same community as you. The idea that you can only fellowship with people in this church is unbiblical. That's right. It's out of sorts. I mean, because of proximity and because of different functions, you often wind up fellowshipping with those that you see the most. But the idea that you cannot have a relationship like we're talking about with somebody in another church on the other side of town or the other side of the county, that's just not right. And you shouldn't feel guilty. Not only should you not feel guilty about that, you should pursue that. Aren't you afraid that they're going to like their church better than yours and go over there? Yeah, but I figured out a long time ago. Old saint named Judson Cornwall told me one time. He said, "You got to remember, it's not your church; it's Jesus' church. He's building his church. You're not. You just shepherd it." Okay, Judson, I'll go for that. In summation. Told you I'd get you there before the Baptist. <laughs> finally. <laughs> so that's why some of you are thinking, finally. <laughs> I thought he would never stop. Little boy sitting in church and preachers preaching away. And little boy says to his mama, he said, Mama, if we could so, give that guy some more money, you think he would stop. <laughs> this has nothing to do with this, but another boy said went up to the preacher with a dollar bill, and he said, here, preacher, I want to give you this. He said, why are you giving me this? He said, well, my daddy told me that you are the poorest preacher we ever had. <laughs> Finally... <laughs> All of you be of one mind. What mind do you think he's referring to? Let this attitude be in you, the mind of Christ. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Compassion. feeling It's a feeling with someone. Love as brothers and sisters. Often when you see the word brothers in the scripture, it's the word, uh, oh good Lord Curtis, I should ask you. Uh, um, what's the word for the human race? Adelphia? Yeah, Adelphia. It's the human race, it's not male and female. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, and be courteous. What in the world would happen if every local congregation, just in America, cause the people in the third world, by the way, they have not got time for all the yang that we do. I mean, they're, they're ducking to, for their lives. They're glad to get a page out of the Bible. You take a, you can, some of those villages, you take a page, rip it out of your Bible and hand it to those people and they'll act like they won the Powerball. They ain't got, but in America, what would happen if every local congregation Loved as brothers, had compassion for one another, was had one mind, and was tenderhearted and courteous. You're talking about light the world up. We can't evangelize the world because they look at us and say, well, I don't want that. Jesus said, now here's how they're going to know you're my disciples. Because you wear your hair a certain way. No. Because you wear your pants a certain way. No. Uh, It's good that you wear pants, by the way. But that's. That's not why how, it's not how people know that we're his disciples. It's not even, well, I know you're his disciple because you go to church every Sunday. I hope you're here every Sunday. I'm not going to be, so just don't get upset. But he said they're going to know that you're my disciples because you have love for one another. And if God's people would return to having agape, For one another, we would see more people in the Baptistry. We would see more people coming to Christ. He didn't stop there. He said, Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing. Here's the key. Knowing that you were called to this. Everybody say, I'm called. Don't you you can no longer say, Well, I don't have a calling. If you're breathing, you have a calling. He said, you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing. How do you inherit? What's the first thing you must do to inherit a blessing? Be a blessing. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless you. I'm sorry. So that I can make you a blessing. There was no blessing from Abraham until he received blessing from God the Father. You, you are blessed. Somebody told me last night you were a blessed man. I said, I know I am. I absolutely know I am. But that blessing, and I think James mentioned it this morning, that blessing comes from God himself. It's not because I'm such a great guy. Well, no, that's not true. But it's because of God himself who blesses. And when he blesses you, his intention is for you to be a conduit of blessing to one another, to other people, so that you may inherit. How about that cycle? You're blessed. You be a blessing. You inherit a blessing. Let's just keep that one rolling. Built together. Built together the body of Christ. Let's do what we need to do, especially those of you here or watching online or those of you who in the first four rows who ran away. (laughs) Let's endeavor to, if there are issues, if there is some rattling of the bones, let's deal with it. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I hear about things going on between this one and that one. And of course, if it gets serious enough, I'm stepping in. Serious enough. I don't like stepping in. But if you got a little issue with somebody, we said last week, remember the scripture? Iron sharpens iron. Not only is that noisy, but it's uncomfortable. Deal with it. Deal with that person. Look them in the eye. And let's talk about this. Don't let, don't let divisions come among you. Don't let disunity, uh, upset what God wants to do in your life. Don't do it. So, well, yeah, but I, but I, but see, that's the problem. But I. Well, that's enough of that.